Hi, welcome to So Revolution. We believe that you are the change wherever you are. If you like to know more about us, who we are and what we do, find us on Facebook as So Revolution. We are so thrilled to share this message with you today. Good evening. Welcome to So Live. What a great joy to be together. Can you all smile a bit, please? Yes, excellent. Welcome to friends who are here with us for the first time. Uh, it's a great privilege to have you here. And um, Isaac talked about it a little earlier. We launched earlier in the week something called Soar 11, Tuesday, 11, Tuesday at 11 p.m. And it was so cool to have so many of you join in uh, within the city and uh, even outside the city. Uh, really logging in as we just, I think, took around 20 minutes uh, from 11 to around 11.20. So we invite you to do that again this Tuesday at 11 p.m. And uh, if you're wondering where you have to go, you don't have to go anywhere. Straight in front of your phone, uh, Instagram, go to Soar Revolution. That's the uh, handle, uh, whatever, the Instagram handle you need to go to. So revolution, and I got interesting reports. Some people were on the road, 11 p.m., uh, trying to catch an auto, but they were following live. So that is cool. We uh, look forward to this week's conversation at 11 p.m. Uh, if you are an Argentinian fan like myself, how many Argentinian fans here? Okay. Uh, uh, maybe a little disappointed, but we can encourage ourselves that life is bigger than football, right? That's a good way to look at it. Uh, for those of you, your team is still in the World Cup. How many of your teams are still in the World Cup? Let me see your hands. Or oh, some of you changed sides after yesterday's match. Uh, for those of you, your team is still in the World Cup. Keep thinking life is football at least for the next two weeks. Is that a good deal? Uh, thinking of football, I am reminded of some amazing, nearly impossible shots at the goal. Uh, you saw some great shots a little earlier. But I'm reminded of some great shots, saves by the goalkeeper, which people said it's impossible. It cannot be done well. Yeah, but tonight, I mean, this looks like almost impossible saves. Uh, when did you ever use the word impossible? How many of us used it at least once last week? Uh, I mean, it's impossible. It's not going to happen. Uh, well, the word impossible defines things which can never happen. Uh, humanly or even sometimes they say even God cannot do it. Uh, there have been some classic quotes in history which people thought was impossible, but history proved it otherwise. For example, listen to this. 1876, the British post office guy said, the Americans have the need of the telephone, but we do not. We have plenty of messenger boys. Wow. 1889, Thomas Edison, fooling around with alternating current. AC is just a waste of time. Nobody will use it ever. 1903, the horse is here to stay, but the automobile is only a novelty, a fad. 1946, would you believe? This is what this guy said. Television won't be able to hold on to any market it captures after the first six months. People will soon get tired of staring at a plywood box every night. 1961, there is practically no chance communication space satellites will be used to provide better telephone, telegraph, television, or radio service inside the United States. 2006, this is unbelievable. Just 12 years ago, 
everyone is always asking me when Apple will come out with a cell phone. My answer is probably never. 2007, there is no chance that the iPhone is going to get any significant market share. Isn't it interesting? Things we say is impossible or will never happen. History itself proves it sometimes it's possible. I'm reminded of 1914, the largest ship to be ever at sea. The captain pompously stated at the start of the historic fatal journey, even God can never sing the ship. I don't think even God had a hand in it. All it required was proud humans who did not respond to a warning message and an ice glacier. That's all it required. But this word impossible is more painful, forget about the world outside, but when it comes to our personal life situations. When we look at our own lives, we say things like, it's impossible for me to get a promotion in this company. It's impossible I will ever reduce my tummy. It's impossible for her to come back to me. It's impossible for me to kick this bad habit. It's impossible for me to ever forget what he did to me. It's absolutely impossible for me to get this money within 24 hours. It's impossible for my sick dad to get cured. Have we ever used those words? I don't know what situation you have walked into this place with. What's the impossible word you have used? Tonight we're going to look at one story that was impossible in all aspects. Before I do that, once again, let me remind you, as part of this irresistible series, we are looking at the Gospel of John. Can you tell your neighbor irresistible? Yeah, that's a little word. It's a little difficult for me to pronounce once in a while. Uh, that's a new series, and we're looking at the Bible. We're looking at 21 chapters, the Gospel of John. And uh, in challenging you to read chapter by chapter, one chapter at a time, um, just discover what the Word of God wants to speak to each of us. Uh, you may say, you know, I don't know what to do as I read it. Well, there's this exciting Bible plan called the Reboot Bible Plan. It's available on version Bible app. If you want help on how to load it, meet one of us after tonight's soul live. We will show you how to do it. it in this Bible plan, will show you how to go from John chapter 1 to 21, how to understand, how to discover new things. Uh, tonight, we're going to look at John chapter 4, verse 43 to 54. Go home and read this entire story. Uh, three things I want you to remember tonight based on the story. The first word I want you to remember is the word desperation. Everyone say desperation. Desperate people do desperate things. Have you ever noticed that? Um, I'm reminded of a pilot who threatened to crash a plane if his wife left him. And that's desperate. I mean, people got scared. They didn't let the plane take off. Uh, people do desperate things. Desperate people even sometimes end up doing cruel, dangerous stuff. Uh, earlier this week in New Delhi, I don't know if you're following the news, 39-year-old Major was arrested for the murder of the wife of another Major. The cause of murder? A mutual, as a mutual friend of the couple, this guy fell in love with his friend's wife. He offered to divorce his own wife and requested this other major's wife to divorce. So he said, we can get married. When the friend's wife rejected the offer, he met her on the previous Saturday, slit her throat with a knife inside his Honda City car, threw her body on the road, ran over her twice to pass it off as a death. 
when desperation fails to respect a human life, the results are absolutely painful. But here in the story, this is a different kind of desperation. Here is a desperate dad. His son was at the point of death. He probably tried everything to get his son back. Medicine, money, magic. I don't know what all he tried. Everything failed. But I think his desperation led him to consider the wisest thing possible. The story tells us this man, he heard about Jesus. He heard that Jesus was quite close by. He heard about Jesus, that Jesus had done a miracle at a place or wedding called Cana where he turned water into wine. He said, this Jesus, does he do miracles? He heard about Jesus. The Bible goes on to say he was so desperate, he went to meet Jesus. When we say he went to meet Jesus, I for a moment don't think like Isaac told us in the beginning that as if he walked from the ground floor to the first floor of Amparsicus to Park Street, it was not just a 10-minute walk. It was most probably a 24-hour walk or 24-hour journey on walk, horse, whatever you consider it. It takes a long time. So here was a man desperate to meet Jesus. It's going to take around 24 hours. It's going to take an entire day. But he said, you know what? This is the last hope I have. I'm going to try everything to make it work. He heard about Jesus. He went to meet Jesus. And finally, as you saw in the story, he comes to Jesus. He begs Jesus. Jesus, please come. I need you to come with me. So the... The story shows us when in desperation, the wisest thing to do is to run to Jesus. Can you tell that to your neighbor? When in desperation, the wisest thing to do is to run to Jesus. Running to Jesus is usually the last thing most people do. But we must get it into the habit of making the first thing we do. Because usually what we do, we try everything and, okay, it's failed. Let's, let's try this Jesus thing also. You know why it's coming to Jesus usually is the last thing? Because there's something else which blocks people to coming to Jesus. And that's the second word I want you to hear tonight. The second word for tonight, first is desperation. Second word is the word humility. Everyone say humility. We live in an interesting world. We got some really proud people who flaunt their pride and feel humility is uh, weakness of the weak. I mean, it's weak people are trying to be humble. I mean, uh, reminded of world-class boxing champion, uh, not today, several decades ago, Muhammad Ali. How many of you have heard that name? Muhammad Ali, whose tagline was, I am the greatest. Um, well, once before taking off on a flight, the steward, the stewardess, air hostess, reminded Muhammad Ali to fasten a seatbelt. And Muhammad Ali replied back, uh, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And the air hostess replied back, Superman don't need no aeroplane either. We got some really, on the other hand, we got some really proud people who walk around thinking, you know what, uh, I'm, I'm really... Humble. They show off how humble they are. So what do they do? They will, I, I meet them once in a while. I ask, go to them and he asked, I ask them, can you please help me? 
said, no, pastor, I'm so, hum- I mean, I'm so humble. I'm a nobody. Why didn't you ask uh, someone else? Uh, go and ask so-and-so because I can't do it. Basically, the, what they're saying is, I am too proud to do it. Uh, here, in this story, we have a rich, listen to this, rich, influential, powerful leader. He has the power in the entire kingdom. He's a rich man. He has influence. He lets go of all of that because he realizes his son, own son is dying. He leaves all of that. He comes and begs Jesus. I don't think, I mean, sometimes movies don't do a good job. I don't think that man just came for a few seconds, did an act and went off. He, I probably feel he must have really said, please Jesus, I mean, whatever it takes, I want my son to get healed. Basically, he came to Jesus and you're saying, I am helpless to handle the situation. This is beyond me. I cannot handle it anymore. So the word humility, true humility, listen to this. True humility admits helplessness. Can you tell that to your neighbor? True humility admits helplessness. Pride often stops people from admitting these three painful words. You know what are the three painful words? I need help. It's difficult for some people to use those words. But imagine how beautiful the world would be if people started using these words. I need help. Imagine everyone in the world. This, I mean, I enjoy using these words. That's, that's my life. I mean, I can use it all the time. Uh, I, uh, it's not a technique. I, I love, I realize I'm helpless. I need help. We live in a world that feels to admit you need help. Basically, some people feel if I use the word I need help, it sort of degrades you before the rest of the world. That's not true. Um, it shows that you are dependent on others. We are dependent on each other. Uh, how about, I want you to try it this week. When you feel helpless to handle something, okay, this is something I want to test out this week. When you feel helpless to handle something, don't be afraid to call someone for help. Call someone, send a message, said, can you, can you help me? I can't handle this. Can we try doing that this week? Yes? I know some of you, it's no big deal, but for some of us to say these words uh, sort of eats up on our ego. Uh, but this is basically what this passage shows us. This rich man comes to Jesus and admits, Jesus, I cannot figure this out. Can you please come home? Now, in this passage, Jesus' response is quite interesting. You know what Jesus is saying? Jesus' response is, it seems from what you read, is not interested in doing the miracle. If you read, let's read John 4, 48 and 49. This is what Jesus' response. So this guy comes to Jesus, says, I need a miracle. Listen to the response of Jesus. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. Wow. What does that mean? Did some of you wonder? Why is Jesus saying such things? I mean, if someone needs a miracle, Jesus just get on with it. But you know why Jesus said those words? Jesus, as I said last week, Jesus, listen to this, he's not interested in being the magician in your life. He's not interested in being the magician that, who just makes you happy all the time. Just does whatever makes you happy. Jesus wanted this royal official to know something important. Doing the miracle is no big deal. But I would rather you believe in who I am and why I am here. 
It's almost like this. It's like my son. He loves, you know, eclairs. One rupee, two rupee eclairs. Well, so whenever we go to a shop, after we buy everything, he tries his luck. One daddy, just one eclairs. So I buy it once in a while, but sometimes I say, you know what? Buying one rupee eclairs is no big deal for me. I can buy you 10, my son, but I would rather you obey me and know I'm your father who's concerned for you. I think that's the spirit Jesus told these words. Doing this miracle is no big deal. I can do it anytime, but I want you to know who I am and why I am here. The rich man again pleads, the rich official, the royal official pleads, Sir, please come home. I want you to look at these words. The last sentence, Sir, can you read that again? Sir, come down before my child dies. This is an interesting verse. Have you ever faced a moment when you're not sure what to address a person? Here this, Jesus, this man calls Jesus, Sir, please come down. Have you ever faced a moment you're not sure what to call a person. I mean, I face that all the time. I don't know whether to call a person uncle, auntie, brother, boss, mister, bye. Uh, I mean, it. So I end up calling something really wrong. A uh, couple of times this happened to me. I call someone auntie. And auntie turns around and sternly asks me not to call her auntie and call, call me sister. I mean, I said, okay, sister. Uh, or... This happened several years ago. I, mean, I was a teenager and I happened to call someone by name because I wanted to get cool and pally with this little older guy. And uh, he took me aside, took 10 minutes with me. He said, uh, you know how old you are? I said, yes. <laughs> you know how old I am? Yes. Uh, don't call me by name. Call me brother. Da, da, da. I said, ooh, okay, brother. Okay. I've always called him brother since then. Uh, this guy, I guess he did not know what to call, but out of deep respect, he says, Sir, please come. He begs Jesus to come home. Jesus responds, gives us the title for tonight, Long Distance Miracle. You know what Jesus told him? Jesus told him, go, your son will live. Can we say these words? Go, your son will live. I have no clue why Jesus did not go with the royal official. Maybe when we go to heaven, we can ask him. Um, maybe, I don't know. I have no answers. He didn't, maybe he did not want to take this 24-hour drive on a horse or walk. Uh, maybe on his Google calendar, he had another assignment. I have no clue. Uh, maybe he wanted to show this man my that, you know what, I don't need to physically come like a magician, do some abracadabra and do a miracle. Even without me coming there, I can still do a miracle in your life. That's why it's called a long-distance miracle, because Jesus was not there, but he still did the miracle. Uh, I love the response of the rich man. This is most interesting for me. The rich man responds is, what did Jesus tell him? What's the response? Go, your son will live. Jesus, this the royal official, he did not debate with Jesus. He could have said, you know what, I've come all the way here. My wife is making lunch for you there. We have ordered food for you and you refuse to come. Uh, no response. The man 
simply says. Or he, he could have also said, don't you know who I am? I am the royal official. Took out his card, ID proof, certificates, nothing doing. When he said, Jesus said, go, your son will live. Bible says he simply obeyed. He simply obeyed. Here we discover something else about true humility. Listen to this. True humility chooses to obey even when we don't understand everything. Choosing to obey even when we don't understand everything. Uh, this works for you. can apply to uh, your relationship with your parents. Sometimes your parents ask you to do something and they may not have the bandwidth to explain what they are wanting to, to do. Sometimes good to obey. Um, bosses, managers, uh, it, can be, uh, it can be anything. True humility in relationship to God is we come to God and admit, God, I cannot handle it. But I'm willing to obey you regardless of what you're asking me to do. And tonight, one final word I want you to remember. What is the first word? Frustration? Okay. Desperation. Second word? Humility. The final word I want you to look at tonight is the word timing. Everyone say timing. Talking about timing, I'm reminded of my school history exam. How many of you love history? Okay. Ah, but, I mean, I love because, history because I did well in, every time I took history. I, mean, I, I don't live in the history, but I did well. Uh, well, this is my class 10 board exams. I'm desperate to score. I knew English and history, I wanted to get above 90, so that was my game plan. So two subjects at least. Rest. I may get somewhere there, but those two at least above 90. And I'm 45 seconds before going into the exam hall. Standing there, I asked a classmate, you know, in those exam, history exams, those days, I don't know now, some pictures used to come. They show pictures of which architectural structure, which, so we are supposed to. So I had studied well all of those details, but standing in line, I just, out of courtesy, I don't know why, I just asked, what do you think will come in the exam? So this guy says, uh, gold goombas. Have you heard of gold goombas? Where is gold goombas? I forgot. Hyderabad? No. I guess so. Wherever it is. You can search on Google and let me know now. Uh, gold goombas, it's a structure. So standing in line, this guy says, gold goombas. So unfortunately, I didn't study that. I studied everything, but I didn't study that. So I said, oh, really? Uh, what? 45 seconds, going to the exam hall. What is Gold Gumbus? Can you explain? So he explained details, description, who created it, blah, blah, blah. He said, OK, 45 seconds. 45 seconds, I walk into the exam hall. Five minutes later, I open the exam paper. I see Gold Gumbus staring at me. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That's called timing, a great Timing. Earlier this week, we are reminded of timing again. Well, when I worked on this message, Argentina had not yet lost. So this particular sentence, uh, because early in the week, I was reminded when Argentina played Nigeria. It was one all, 86th minute, that goal changed it all. Who's the guy who scored it? Roger, something like that, right? 86 minute. Timing is always so important. Uh, I love this famous familiar quote. If you want to know the value of one year, just ask a student who failed a course. If you want to know the value of one month, ask a mother who gave birth to a premature baby. If you want to know the value of one hour, ask the lovers waiting to meet. 
you want to know the value of one minute, ask the person who just missed the bus. If you want to know the value of one second, ask the person who just escaped death in a car accident. And if you want to know the value of the one hundredth of a second, ask the athlete who won a silver medal in the Olympics. Wow. Timing is always so important. In this story, we see how Jesus works with his timing. I want you to look at this passage, read it together. Jesus said, replied, go, your son will live. Let's read it together. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. That means exactly when Jesus said, same time, the miracle happened, a long distance miracle. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. The Bible says, so he and his entire family believed in Jesus. So the basic thing I want you to remember tonight as we conclude is simply this. Jesus is never late. He's always on time. Jesus, can you tell that to your neighbor? Jesus is never late. He's always on time. He's never one second early. He's never one second late. There's something else. The bigger thing I want you to remember tonight is this. Based on this long distance miracle, I want you to remember is Jesus is never far away. Regardless of how far it is and you think, you know what, my situation is really far. He will always land up wherever you need him. So I don't know where is your need. Is it someone lying sick at home? Maybe a bank situation, your miracle, you need a big blessing on your finances. I don't know what's the miracle you're here with. But the good news tonight is Jesus is never far away. He's close to you. He's interested in you. He, he, there is never a long distance actually with Jesus because he's always close by. I mean, tonight I don't know the miracle you've come into this place with. If I pass this mic around, I mean, each of you will have your own level of miracle you need. I know the miracle I need. Things my, my wife and I, we pray for. Yours tonight, my finance college admissions, a habit. All of these miracles, you're saying, you know what, it's outside my power, outside my GPS tracking device. I cannot track it. The distance is too far. I don't mind telling you tonight, even as I stand here, uh, one of our young people, faithful part of sort, uh, probably a few years ago, she was not, she's moved out of the city. She's battling with cancer right now. Young lady, got, got married probably a year ago. It's never easy to understand why certain things happen. But as we are praying for her, I'm being amazed at her level of faith. Because she believes, and we are believing with her, simply this, that Jesus is never late. He's always on time. What he wants to do in your life, he will do at the right time, if you hold on to him. And tonight, the good news is, Jesus is never far away. Thanks again for tuning in for another message from Soul Revolution. You can do us a huge favor by rating, reviewing and sharing this message with your friends. We would love to hear from you on how this message has touched your life. Feel free to message us on Facebook. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you have a great week ahead.